Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 104.6&1 podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Valentin, and this is episode 20. First and foremost, I just wanted to start this. I just wanted to start this episode off by saying um, thank you to everybody that has shown love, shown support, uh, continued efforts to you know making sure that I'm all right and that if I needed anything going forward with the cast, if they wanted to be a guest. You know, if I needed any help with any content, they're always going to be around. So, you know, to those loyal people that every week tune in, if they if they miss it, they ask for the link or whatever have you. I really, really, really appreciate it. And in this week's episode, I'm going to get into a deep dive of the NFL's AFC conference. I kind of want to go division by division and give my little bit of feedback slash opinion on where I see those teams going forward and, uh, you know, who I see coming out of the AFC. And then next week, I'll tackle the NFC as obviously, you know, when you go team by team, you can kind of get lost in a little bit of a deep dive in depending on which team I start to talk about. So I'm starting it off with the AFC East. We got the Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets in that exact order. The Bills just lost yesterday to Monday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs. If I had to give my honest opinion, I, at the beginning of the season, like everybody else, was a little bit surprised, or should I say very surprised, But as of their recent play, them losing their last two games, obviously last night was a bit close, but uh, seeing how that game kind of transpired towards the end and Josh Allen not being able to make any clutch or definitive plays to improve their already struggling offense and then that last-second interception that should never have been thrown, it just kind of reinforced what I was thinking at the beginning of the season, which was do they have enough veteran leadership to lead them through the the, the season and as well as into the postseason and do they have enough consistency a lot of teams can start two three four and oh and then out of nowhere you know it kind of just depends how you carry on with the season throughout that we all know the Bills defense is pretty stellar um I mean limiting Patrick Mahomes to 23 points is not an easy thing limiting that offense to that score isn't easy but the offense needs to contribute as well and Josh Allen just did not have it last night. That Chiefs defense did find ways to get to him. They created blitz packages to find a way to really get out there. And, I mean, if I had to make a guess, just based off of how the division has gone so far, we're six weeks into the season. Obviously, we're not at the halfway point just yet, so I can't make a, a definitive official ruling. I would probably say that the Bills still win this division just for the sake of that defense, and they're kind of the most put-together team in this division. 
So I would probably say the Bills go 10-6. and six, And I would say that the... This one's going to be a difficult one. Because the way the Dolphins were going, they are 3-3. Three and three. They're on a two-game win streak. But as of this morning, they have benched Ryan Fitzpatrick, otherwise known as Fitzmagic, for Tua Tungavailoa, the fifth overall pick in last year's NFL draft. I'm torn, but I'm not. I read a, a separate article, I forget where, um, just scrolling through social media. Uh, I actually believe it was for the, uh, the For the Culture podcast. Shout out to that group of guys, man. Great content, amazing. Subscribe to them on YouTube. Follow them on their Twitter page. Like, They're great. They have incredible, incredible Colts and NFL content all throughout the year. So, I mean, those guys are always analyzing and doing their research and making sure that there's exclusive and incredible, incredible things to hear on their podcast. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard something about one of them saying that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick always has kind of like a hot streak. And then for whatever reason, he hits a point in the season throughout his entire career. He's done it pretty much where he'll have such success and then out of nowhere, he'll disappear and he'll become this below average quarterback. And it's kind of scary because Ryan Fitzpatrick's actually having a pretty decent year statistic wise. And I mean, I can't say that I expected it, nor can I say that I am shocked either. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's numbers thus far in the season, we have 1,535 yards passing, 12 total touchdowns, two of them rushing. The Dolphins are second in the AFC East, and I'm pretty sure Ryan Fitzpatrick is top 10 in the NFL in completion percentage as well. So he's not doing terrible, but he is definitely putting the Dolphins in a position to win with that young core. But uh, getting back to what the For the Culture podcast group was saying, they always say that rather than let the wave of Ryan Fitzpatrick hit of the struggles, you know, rather than them playing it out, and, you know, who knows if he wins two or three more games, I don't know. But if that negativity, that slump were to hit, in the middle of the season to throw a rookie in at that point. I don't know if that would make much sense. I don't know if that would help. So the team as a whole, their confidence is up. They're playing good football. And putting the rookie in right now just seems to be the best fit, according to head coach Brian Flores. So, I mean, can Tua ball out? Absolutely. We all know the talent we saw in Alabama for those years that he was down there in Tuscaloosa. We all know the accuracy that he had and, you know, the consistency that the man had prior to the hip injury. But we all know that it's the durability question mark. Obviously, he's been cleared medically and physically. Obviously, he has been studying behind Fitzpatrick, who we all know is a well-seasoned veteran. So it's just a matter of can you stay upright and can you stay healthy? Fitzpatrick has done nothing but support Tua and to and you know like tutor him and you know give him leadership and any advice Tua has always spoken highly of Ryan so I mean to put him in now in a position to capture the division in the next couple of weeks they're on a bye this week so who knows but uh Tua gets an entire week with the first team Tua gets a week off at the same time so I mean we'll we'll see what happens I see the Dolphins falling down because of the inexperience of Tua uh, I don't think it's just right just yet, in my opinion. Uh, I see the Patriots kind of sliding right back up there. That's going to be the next team, obviously, I tackle. They are 2-3 and three in the division. They're on a two-game losing streak. However, similar to what my my boy Kyle said, also follow the uh, Home Field Podcast. That's available on Spotify as well as YouTube and um, 
Anchor and Apple Podcasts. He mentioned earlier today on his episode that uh, he doesn't want to use the COVID outbreak as an excuse. However, everybody knows without there being a preseason, preseason without there being a traditional offseason and practice, practices being limited because of COVID and facilities being closed, there wasn't exactly a lot of time for practice and preparation. There was a lot of inconsistencies. Uh, Cam obviously didn't play the week prior, so it was kind of a whole different quarterback carousel with that that week. And then this week they went and they played Denver at home and then they lost 18-12. to 12. Very awkward game, very confusing to see Denver score the way that they did. And it, it wasn't anything like they went and threw for four touchdowns or that Drew Locke dominated them. They just found ways to make plays, go down the field, get those field goals, you know, make, them, make sure that that lead was held. But, I mean, kudos to the Patriots defense keeping them down to only 18 points. I mean, the way the Patriots offense was moving, it just did not seem like their usual self again cam probably off a couple of weeks a couple a little bit more than a week with covid and then you know just getting back and cleared uh so who knows what's going to happen in that locker room uh cam newton's got to take care of the ball a lot better he had two interceptions yesterday uh he also was the team's leading rusher with 70 something yards and 10 rushes so i mean obviously offensively the patriots that's always been their confusion their their question mark their their weak point since Tom left. So we all know that that defense is still doing what it's do- what it does. So, I mean, I still see the Patriots finding a way to slide up and, you know, maybe going eight and eight, nine and seven. Uh, I didn't give a Dolphins prediction. I would say the Dolphins go seven and nine, maybe eight and eight as well. Depending on the uh, division record, I would definitely give the edge to the Patriots. Um, and unfortunately, I have to talk about it. The Jets are probably the worst organization in the entire NFL and that says a lot because there are some pretty bad teams out there Um, no disrespect to any of my actual Jet fan friends Uh, no being rude or anything of the sort I'm just speaking my mind I'm speaking my truth they're pretty bad I mean for you to let go of all pro safety Jamal Adams and then you cut one of the best running backs at the time in 2018 after a year off in Le'Veon Bell and for rumors to circulate of trading your franchise quarterback just shows how mismanaged this team really is and the dumpster fire that it actually is. I mean, you have an above 33, 34-year-old quarterback and Joe Flacco out there and trying to maintain some form of organization, some form of skill. And the Jets are 0-6. I don't know the Jets' schedule. If I had to guess, out of desperation, out of luck, out of a team having a bad day, maybe they get a win, but I would not be shocked if they go 0-16 because of how bad they really are on both sides of the ball. So, I mean, the Jets will probably have the number one overall pick. And a lot of teams are joking, but it could very well happen. Um, Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, the quarterback... Uh, former national champion. A lot of people are speculating that Trevor, if the uh, the Jets actually get the number one overall pick, that Trevor should stay in school, or uh, you know, just automatically decline being drafted by the Jets. We know plenty of people that have have done that. I believe who was it? Oh my God, it's a it's an NFL famous running back where he genuinely denied coming to a team, like he got drafted by them. And then said, I'm not doing it. I, I don't know if it was Bo Jackson. 
or something like that. I, I, I can't remember, but there was, it's, it's like in NFL history, it's happened before where like a top prospect says, yo, I'm not playing for you. Like there's no shot. Um, so, you know, that joke's kind of spinning around, but it is quite possible. Uh, the AFC East, we all know has been dominated by the Patriots for the last 20 years with Tom Brady being over there and Bill Belichick, but the tides have turned. Obviously all three of the opposite opposing teams in the division have, kind of flip-flopped of taking the last seed or you know the worst team in the division but you know the Bills definitely were down there for some time obviously the Jets with Mark Sanchez went to the postseason a couple of times the Dolphins were kind of up and down and consistently in the middle of the pack to the bottom of the pack back up to the middle so I mean for this kind of order to really flip-flop and be the way that it is right now again you know the Bills four and two Dolphins three and three, Patriots two and three, and the Jets zero and six. The Jets not exactly surprising, but with the talent they started with at the beginning of the season, definitely surprises me. Especially because they were my pick to win the division. I know I'm. Everybody's probably laughing or giggling, but I mean, I just I just saw Sam Darnold having a better year. I just saw that offense, you know, with everybody coming back healthy. I genuinely saw them doing what they needed to do and going out there and going ten and six. So I'm eating my words. Sliding over into the AFC West, the defending Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Denver Broncos, and the Los Angeles Chargers in that order. The Chiefs being 5-1, and one, the Raiders being 3-2, and two, the Broncos being 2-3, and three, and the LA Chargers being 1-4. and four. There's not really much to talk about with the Chiefs. We all know what they can do. We all know their capabilities. We all know the coaching staff and Andy Reid and the pedigree that he carries and withholds his team to be. They have the best player on the planet in Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Le'Veon Bell, when he got cut, signed with the Chiefs for a million dollars. So, I mean, that offense only got scarier. He did not play last night, so I expect him to completely play next week. And, you know, Edwards Hilaire had an amazing night last night with 164 yards on the ground. Uh, Patty Mahomes, the usual. He was the fastest player ever to 90 career touchdowns in 37 games. He beat Dan Marino's record of doing it in 40 games. Let that be your stat fact of the day. Or second, since I did give some numbers for Fitzpatrick. But those are season stats. So yeah, I'll say that this was the stat fact of the day. Um, The Chiefs are still rolling, man. The Chiefs lost to the Raiders. The Raiders played a hell of a game. The Raiders went in in there and they had a shootout. And they really found a way to really disrupt Patrick Mahomes. And and how he organizes his offense. And how they ran that offense over there in uh, Kansas City. But the Raiders are no joke. I think the Raiders are a sleeper team. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I still have the Chiefs winning the division, probably going maybe 12-4, and 13-3, uh, and three, just because of that. That offense got a little bit of an awakening. But, you know, I don't see them as a bulletproof team because if the Raiders were able to capitalize on that defense, it just shows that there are opportunities for other teams to conquer and or dominate as well. Uh, the Raiders, I see them definitely going in a, in a close 10-6 and six or 9-7, and seven, trying to squeak into the wild card, maybe even better. Them having the stud running back Josh Jacobs out of Alabama is no small feat. Uh, Henry Ruggs, finally healthy. He can show why the Raiders always draft fast receivers. He just needs to stay healthy. Him having the 40 speed that he does and blowing the top off with the safeties, or without his safety for that matter, um, it makes no difference. Darren Waller, we all know of how good of a tight end he can be, basically being a wide receiver out there in a tight end's body. But, I mean, that offense we know can be electrifying. It's a matter of can that defense and John Abram hold it together on the opposite end so that they don't go into a shootout every week. Uh, Again, I definitely see the Raiders as a surprise-slash-sleeper team that nobody should take lightly. Obviously, their record is only 3-2, and but them having a victory over the undefeated and Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs is huge coming off of their bye next week. 
or should I say coming off of their bye this past Sunday. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Denver, unfortunately, rattled with injuries as well, losing Von Miller early in the year, losing Cortland Sutton, uh, Drew Locke falling in week two, and him just coming back last night. I don't know what's happening in Denver. To be honest, I don't necessarily follow them. I do know that they have won their last two games, though, so they are trending on the upward direction. In this division, unfortunately, and in the AFC with the powerhouses that exist here, I don't see them doing anything for quite some time. I think that they're going to have to start searching for some assistance on the defensive end. Ironically enough, how good that defense was the last, I don't know, five, six years when Peyton Manning arrived and, you know, the no-fly zone, as they called themselves. Um, that's their, That's their weakest point right now. They're not really doing as much as they could with them losing as much talent as they have over the years between, you know, retirement, free agency, Chris Harris, one of their best players. He left in free agency to go to the L.A. Chargers, who I'm going to get to in a second. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just I I expected more from them because I definitely saw Drew Locke with the receiving core that he has out there and Jerry Judy Sutton and Tim Patrick and Noah Font. You know, the running back carousel back there between Melvin Gordon and uh, Philip Lindsay as well as... Uh, I forget that guy's name, man. Royce, whatever. Royce Freeman. Uh, I just, I thought they would be a lot better. I thought that uh, Denver's offense would kind of surpass their defensive lack or their lack of a defense, should I say. I don't know why I worded it that way. I. It's kind of a surprise for me as well. Once again, another team that really just underperformed for me and the way that the season has started, I don't necessarily see them going farther than maybe 6-10, and 10 maybe 7 and 9. I don't see them going over 500 just because like I said that that division is very competitive. Sliding into the LA Chargers. Once again, Anthony Lynn is in a difficult situation. Um, I believe I saw some stat somewhere once again on social media showing that all of their losses this season have been like within 8 points. So I mean they're just they're barely missing it. They're starting a rookie quarterback who Justin Herbert is playing phenomenal they took the Saints all the way to the end in New Orleans obviously it's not the same without the fans or without the capacity of the fans in the Superdome but I mean nevertheless you're still going in there against a Hall of Fame quarterback and Drew Brees Alvin Kamara and we and we know the rest of that offense a struggling New Orleans defense and Herbert lit them up so I think that LA is in good hands I don't think you can necessarily blame the Chargers for their struggles on the coaching aspect of the ball I mean, maybe because it's the defensive execution. And then obviously Herbert's got to realize late in games he has to take care of the ball a little bit better. But that comes with experience. That's going to come with time. That's going to come with more reps. Obviously with the lack of, as I mentioned earlier, the preseason and the offseason, he didn't really get much going. And he kind of was thrown into the starting situation when Tyrod had that lung punctured. So I'd say all in all, with everything that's been thrown their way, they're doing as well as they can. Uh, I would probably say that the Chargers kind of turn it up and maybe turn it around and would go possibly eight and eight. I don't, I don't really see that as a surprise because of the talent that they do have on the defensive end. Losing Derwin James for the season at the beginning obviously was detrimental, but you know when they get Melvin Ingram back, when you know Joey Bosa is back in full form, Chris Harris is doing okay. I think that they will find a way to turn it around, maybe go eight and eight. So I would say. Denver being at the bottom of the division just because of, like I had stated a few minutes ago, their lack of defense and their uh, offensive inconsistencies and liabilities. So I would probably say Chiefs 13-3, and Raiders 10-6, and Chargers 8-8, and Broncos 6-10, and 9-7. One of those two. 
probably one of the most competitive divisions in the AFC, surprisingly enough, is the AFC North. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Ben Roethlisberger, man, I said it. I called it at the beginning of the year. I said he was going to come out firing. People said he was washed. People said he wasn't going to play well. People said that it was uh, it was just a matter of time before Lamar took over the division. Mind you, they have the same amount of wins, but Pittsburgh just came off of a, uh, a bye the week prior because of COVID. So they are one game short, so they had their bye pretty early. So Pittsburgh being 5-0, and Baltimore being 5-1, and Cleveland being 4-2, and and the Bengals being 1-4-1. and Pittsburgh's just dominating on all fronts, and I mean, in my opinion, probably the league's best defense. They're doing everything they need to do. They did give up quite a bit of points to Philadelphia two weeks ago, but I mean, aside from that little blip, the Steelers' defense is incredible. I mean, they're going out there, and they're, they're, they're getting turnovers. They're, they're getting sacks. They're pressuring the quarterback. They're tackling. They're making plays. They are doing everything you need a defense to do in the AFC. So, I mean, I would not be surprised if the Pittsburgh Steelers find a way to win this division. And I say find a way only because Lamar Jackson is an electric defending MVP candidate, a, uh, or should I say defending MVP, maybe another MVP candidate depending on how the rest of the season goes. Um that defense was firing on all cylinders for Baltimore last week, or should I say this past Sunday. Uh, again, the Philadelphia Eagles found a way to make them pay, and the Ravens only ended up winning by two points. So, I mean, I don't know if it was because the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line was so bad because they did turn it around and find a way to win or almost win that game. Uh, I don't know. I think that the I think genuinely, if I had to put my 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 bet, I would say Pittsburgh finds a way to win that division at maybe twelve and four. They are just like I said on all cylinders. That offense is going crazy, and it's not Juju Smith Schuster either. Either like everybody would say, that last name screws me up grammatically every time. Um, I think that the play with their combination of the backs of James Conner and Snell, they're doing what they need to do on the ground, getting in the end zone when they are in the uh, in the red zone. Uh, Claypool out of Notre Dame, he is balling out of his mind. You have De- De- uh, Deontay Johnson doing what he needs to do as well. Uh, Eric Ebron, uh, he's doing eh, okay. I won't give that man no credit after what he said about Indianapolis uh, this past offseason. So, again, I-, I-, I think Pittsburgh finds a way to win that division. I think Pittsburgh, like I said, 12-4. and four. Uh, Baltimore, they are also firing on all cylinders. However, I do think that Lamar Jackson has been inconsistent to say the least um just because if it isn't working with his legs the man cannot perform when it is put on him and I mean the pressure that's what I'm referencing being put on him I don't necessarily know how that's going to continue to hold up in clutch moments because we saw what happened his first year with San Diego against San Diego when they were San Diego or was it LA I don't remember if they had moved nevertheless when he played the Chargers in the postseason he had about nine or ten games under his belt in the in the season. Him getting thrown in there as a rookie, inexperience. We know, you know, he struggled against that defense. He struggled to find a way to move the offense down the field, and uh, his accuracy was in question. And then, of course, we all know the story. Last year, he comes in and wins the NFL MVP. But this season, man, I don't know. I'm not sold on him. He's not having a dominant season like he did last year. Like a lot of mobile quarterbacks figure out later in their career, defenses find a way to scheme for them or scheme against them. But they're five and one, so they're doing something. Their defense, like I said, is pretty solid. So they're playing up to par with expectation. 
so I, I, I feel like that's going to be a, a big fight towards the end of the year, and I think that that's going to come down to who wins the matchups between the Ravens and the Steelers, who ends up taking those games. We'll decide who wins the division. So, I mean, I see Baltimore also going either 12-4 and or 11-5 and just because of how good John Harbaugh has those players, you know, going out there and playing and, you know, the intensity that he always plays with and them having probably the best kicker in football does help them with those close game situations. All Lamar needs to do is get them within a, I want to say within 60 yards because we all know Justin Tucker has the bootleg to kick a 60-plus yard field goal depending on where they are in the, in the country. So, I mean, special teams advantage definitely goes to them, but I just think that that Steelers offense and defense is just a little too dominant right now. So I'm going to give the edge to the Steelers. Uh, sliding into Cleveland, uh, we all know what I said last week with Cleveland beating the Colts. Uh, Cleveland did not show that same performance this week. Cleveland really struggled. Uh, Baker Mayfield also was benched in this game. So, I mean... Nick Chubb is out. Baker was benched. The Steelers just dominated them on every single side of the ball. I mean, they lost 38-7. to So, I mean, Case Keenum had to get thrown in there because Baker was just not doing his job. Uh, the run game could not really get it going at all, obviously, with uh, Cleveland falling behind early. And the turnovers, as everybody knows, Baker's biggest issue is forcing the ball, putting it in places it doesn't need to be necessarily, putting it in places and positions for his team to lose. With the offense that they have, the tight ends that they have, the receiving core, when Nick Chubb is healthy, obviously the, the the running back tandem of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, you would think that this team would be undefeated as well. Uh, obviously, they lost to the two best teams in their division, if not some of the best teams in the NFL. Both losses handedly to the Ravens in Week 1 and then the Steelers obviously last week or this past week. So... The Browns are a question mark to me. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know if Case is going to start again next week. I don't follow the Browns as in-depth. Um, shout out to my boy Dunny. Uh, loyal Cleveland fan in every aspect of the word loyal. I mean, the man just cheers no matter what the record is, no matter how bad they are, no matter how they stink, no matter how good they are. He is loyal to a T, so I respect that. So, you know, shout out to my boy. I don't know what your brownies are going to do, man. I really don't know what's going to happen. We all know Baker has the talent. We know Baker has the skill. But the decision-making just has not been there since he's gotten into the league. And that defense, you know, aside from Miles Garrett, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I genuinely don't know. Letting Ben blow him up for 38 doesn't help his, you know, the Browns, uh, the Browns record. It doesn't help the Browns going forward for confidence, especially Baker. Like I said, for like the fourth time in the last three minutes, him getting benched. Uh, I said he would get benched this season because if he didn't stop throwing those unnecessary passes, you know, forcing those balls downfield, that his coat would get pulled. And it did. So I I don't know what's going to happen. If I had to make a prediction, obviously them being 4-2 and two right now isn't necessarily bad, but I don't know if they're going to be able to beat the Ravens or the Steelers again at all. If they play, not again. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat them at all. <laughs> the way those offenses were just rolling on top of them, I I don't know what's going to happen there. So I say, you know, Cleveland's going to do the usual fall apart, maybe go 8 and 8, maybe 9 and 7 just because they do have a lot of talent on that ball, on that side of the ball depending on who's throwing it. I mean, we all know Case Keenum is a good veteran. We all know Case Keenum can find a way to, you know, rally a team behind him, so I don't know. But again, if I had to put my my money on it, I'd probably say they're going to go probably 8 and 8, 9 and 7. Transitioning into the Bengals, unfortunately, they are not 
doing well. <laughs> they came out hot this past Sunday and smoking my team 21-0 in the first quarter. I don't know what Frank Reich was doing. I don't know what our defense was doing, but we found a way to wake up, come back, and win that game. The, I believe 31-28. to So, no, no. 31-27. Sorry, I just had a little bit of a brain fart. We all know the talent Joe Burrow has. We all know the talent on the offensive side of the ball that they could have with Joe Mixon in the backfield, with A.J. Green finally healthy, with T. Higgins finally, you know, coming out of his shell and, you know, playing up to par that we thought he would play coming out of Clemson. Um, Tyler Boyd being the stud that he is, and that offense isn't, bad it's not terrible it's the defense and the offensive line that is just inconsistent I mean Joe Burrow's gonna be on his back for the majority of this season if not all the season because that line is just horrible and they give him no time to throw they give him absolutely no confidence I mean if it's not batted down he's getting rushed he's getting pressure he's getting hit so I don't know what's gonna happen in Cincinnati that defense needs to be revamped Obviously, that uh, that offense needs to to sign some more pieces on that on that line. Maybe draft a couple more. I don't see the Bengals winning more than three games this season. I would probably say that the Bengals, Joe probably carries them to maybe three, maybe possibly four, depending on that schedule. Once again, I'm not in tuned enough with the Bengals to know who exactly they're going to be playing in the next couple of weeks. But Joe Burrow does have enough talent to carry an offense. We saw him do it earlier in the year with that one win. Uh, who was it against, for whatever reason, I'm drawing a blank, uh, when they played, wow, when they played the Jaguars, uh, but it just it just goes to show, I mean, last week, the week before that, they got smoked by Baltimore 27-3, and then they lost it to us 31-27, so I mean, who knows what's going to happen in Cincinnati, I don't know if the GM gets fired, I have no idea. If Zach Taylor becomes on the hot seat because they don't want to waste the talent of Joe Burrow. So again, they probably go, I would say, three and thirteen, maybe four and twelve, but you know, a top lottery pick for them for sure, once again. Hopefully being able to build a better team around Joe. Uh and in the AFC South, of course, my division, we have Tennessee a with a dominant showing of King Henry mowing through the Houston Texans. Uh, we have the Titans, the Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars. The Titans being undefeated, 5-0. and We all know that their COVID outbreak put the season for the NFL in jeopardy. Uh, seems that they have everything semi-under control, so we will see what happens with that going forward. We have my team, the Indianapolis Colts, going 4-2 and with their previous victory this past Sunday with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Texans losing another close thriller. They are 1-5. And the Jaguars are also 1-5. I would probably say that the Titans find a way to win this, this division. Only because this offense of ours is very inconsistent. Uh, the Titans have a very good defense. Their offense is obviously stellar with A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, and uh, Derrick Henry, who is arguably the best running back in football right now. For whatever reason, 6'4", 250 pounds, running a 4'4", just... It seems to be the build, and I don't know why or how he's humanly, physically possible, but he is, and he is just playing out of his mind. Derrick Henry alone since 2018 has three 200-yard rushing games. The NFL as a whole has three. It's not fair. It's not okay, 
but he's just a dominant force. The play he had last week against Josh Norman where he basically threw him across the field was breathtaking. I mean, you just sit there and you watch Tennessee play and you expect them to hand him the ball 40 times because of how good he is. No matter if you stack the box, no matter if you know he's coming, no matter if you plug all the gaps, Derek just finds a way to either burst out of it Maybe even cut back on an occasion. We all know just because he's 250, 6'4", doesn't mean he's not elusive or quick on his feet because he shows that with bursts of speed in the open field that even corners and safeties can't catch up to the guy. Uh, Derrick Henry might be the best player in the division at this very moment because of the confidence Tennessee has and because of their ability to get him in space. So I, I don't know. I would say Tennessee finds a way to go uh, either 11-5 and five, no, I don't see them losing eleven games. Actually, and I'm looking at their I'm looking at their uh, their record right now. I'm sitting here like, wait a minute, they're not going to lose eleven in a row. Uh, I I don't know. This division is a little difficult for me because obviously I'm I'm trying to keep bias aside, and I'm actually going to look up their schedule because they're that good. Next week will be a battle of the undefeateds with Tennessee facing Pittsburgh in Tennessee. That'll be a good one. They got the Bengals after that. The Bears that are 5-1. and one, They play us in Tennessee. They play the Ravens. Okay, they have a difficult schedule ahead of them. Okay. And they have to close out the season right after Christmas with a face-off against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and then another Deshaun Watson rematch. So I don't know. That's actually a really, really tough one. I might actually stick with the 11-5 and five call because they... They have a lot of tough people coming up. And, you know, I would say that they're probably t- a top three, if not top two team in the NFL because of how dominant they have been and because of the confidence that Ryan Tannehill has. You know what? I'm going to change that. I would say the Tennessee Titans go 12-4. and four. I'd say the Colts go 9-7. and seven. I say the Texans, they have too much talent to continue to lose like this. I say the Texans find a way to turn it around, and they go 7-9. and nine. And then the Jaguars go probably Gardner Minshew's solid. I mean, I'm not going to disrespect him. He's not trash. Uh, I would give Jacksonville maybe two to three wins. So they might go two and fourteen or three and thirteen. So that's that's my AFC. Uh, if I had to predict playoff teams right this second or division winners, I'll go over it again. I would say the Bills win the East, the Chiefs win the West. Uh, the Steelers and Ravens are going to come down to their head-to-head matchups. Whoever wins those, I'm picking the Steelers, and I have the Titans winning their division. Uh, I, for whatever reason, don't remember the NFL playoff format. I think that they changed it up. Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. Playoff picture. Yeah, let's just look it up right here and see what we got going on. Uh, just because I know they changed it with COVID, so I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, it's... Seven teams. Yeah, so it's going to be 14 teams. All right. So, okay. So if it's seven teams, and I just picked four division winners, I would say the wild card teams would probably be the Las Vegas Raiders, one of the Ravens and Steelers, and then the Indianapolis Colts. I would say we find a way to to squeak in there at the end. And if not us, probably the... uh, I want to say confidently, man. I really, I really got some faith in the Dolphins, man. I really, I really think that they can find a way to do something out there. If Tua plays well, I think maybe the Dolphins squeak in there. Um, I know I predicted the Patriots to go above them, but I got some faith in Tua, man. I really like what they're doing out there in Miami. Flores has got that group 
running. Flores has got that group confident and happy. And, you know, the energy in Miami has been tank for so many years, tank for Tua, tank for Tua, or just tank for a better a better player. But, I mean, they're doing what they need to do. They're playing competitive football. Their defense is playing stellar. So I would definitely say maybe Miami squeaks into that seventh seed. Uh, if I had to pick a winner to come out of the AFC, obviously the favorite is going to be the defending Super Bowl champions. But I would say their competition is definitely going to come out of the AFC North. If not the South, who knows? We might even have a rematch of the AFC Championship with Tennessee and, and Kansas City, man. I mean, can Kansas City stop Derrick Henry? I don't know. Can Ryan Tannehill play a little bit better? Probably. The man's balling out this season. The man is doing what he needs to do, signing that contract, showing everybody that it wasn't his fault of his struggles in Miami between injury and Adam Gase being a terrible coach. So I think that, you know, Tennessee's here to stay. I think they're serious. I Definitely, definitely think they are a team to be reckoned with, a team to earn respect. COVID outbreak or not, that is not a team to be taken lightly like they used to be back in the day. So um, if it isn't Tennessee, I would, again, I'm, I'm predicting Pittsburgh, man. I really got high hopes for Ben coming off of the injury last season. That defense is young, hungry, and ready to go. TJ Watt, I mean, Joe Hayden, the veteran from Florida, go Gators. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, him being traded from the Dolphins and having the year that he's having. I don't necessarily see Pittsburgh falling, in my opinion. I would probably say, if I had to predict it, if it's not the Chiefs and the Titans, it's going to be Chiefs-Steelers. Um, I can't necessarily f- pick the Chiefs to win, just because, like I said, we're not enough of the season through, or we're not through enough of the season for me to predict necessarily you know tendencies and what I see the the Chiefs lost one game and to a division rival we all know division games are very tough we know that the Las Vegas Raiders are a tough team as a whole the way John Gruden runs that team um the Chiefs haven't exactly shown me the dominance that they need to for me to pick them as the blatant favorite just because you know certain teams do take them pretty deep and pretty consistently I mean we had a rookie and Herbert take the Chiefs all the way to overtime obviously we had the uh the Raiders take them. Obviously, the Bills only lost by nine points. So I mean, it's it's they're not coming out there and they're not they're not wowing me. Their only wow to me was going to be that I'm not even going to say wow. The Texans was expected because the Texans defense is horrible. The only wow moment to me was when they dominated the Ravens in Week Three, when they just completely shut Lamar down, when they made sure that he was not going anywhere on the run game as well as in the air. Uh, the Patriots game, they played Brian Hoyer. That's not exactly a surprise. They didn't play Cam Newton fully loaded. Uh, the, the Raiders game, they obviously lost, but only by eight. But that defense gave up 40. And then, like I said, the Bills with Josh uh, Josh Allen playing inconsistent and, and pretty bad last night. So I, I don't really necessarily think they've had a lot of difficulties. And looking at their schedule, I don't necessarily see any struggles for the foreseeable future other than the Raiders again. And then, you know, they got to come down to Tampa and play Tampa. Oh, and they also have Drew Brees on a 4 o'clock game right before Christmas. So, But the Saints have been up, down, and around consistency-wise. So I don't necessarily see them struggling. That's why I definitely see them going to the AFC Championship confidently. So depending on the matchup and the seeding in the postseason, who knows? But, I mean, I cannot say that they are the AFC favorites for me. Yes, Patrick Mahomes, like I said, former MVP, a Super Bowl champion, a former Super Bowl MVP. 
but I need to see it on both ends of the ball for them. I need to see that a little bit more consistently. They got to go and dominate teams they need to dominate. Like I've said the past several weeks, if you're playing a bad team, if you are a much superior team, you need to show why. You need to beat them by 28 plus. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't go and play the Jets and then only beat the Jets by 14. You know what I'm saying? Like, no disrespect, it's an NFL organization with NFL talent and players, but you just, if you're that good, you need to dominate and show why you're that good. You need to show the league, this is who we are, and we're not fucking around. So, again, I can't give the Chiefs the the, the favored nod as often as a lot of people would, as some of my friends would. Shout out to Ant. Uh, Amp, or I, I always forget how to spell your name, how to say your name. Kayla's hubby from uh, my my time at Chico's. Uh, he's an actual diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan. Shout out to my boy Philly, my boy Adam out there uh, in South Philly. He's a very, very, very big Chiefs fan since way back in the day, way before I met him. I uh, met him in college in 2012. He's been a Chiefs fan for, for a long, long, long time. And, and uh, I know he's super proud, but I know that he has them favored for sure. But the Chiefs have shown weaknesses, man. Their kicking game, their special teams game has not been as strong as they they normally have been in the past. Shout out to Tommy Townsend, former Gator punter. He's on that team, but I'm, I'm in reference to their kicker, Butker. Like I just stated, he's struggling. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs get upset in the championship or maybe even in the divisional. Like I said, it all depends on the seeding since the, uh, the postseason got expanded to another team. So um, I'm excited. Obviously, the season is underway, full swing. We are obviously dealing with COVID as it comes, as it comes along. Um, Titans, like I said, got it under control. We have players testing positive sporadically throughout the league, and they are being quarantined, removed from facilities. The Colts this past week had a a scare with a couple of false positive tests. Uh, The facilities were immediately shut down, but reopened again later when they realized that they were false positives. So... The NFL's handling it as best as they can, as long as people don't go and do what Tennessee did, which was, for those of you that don't know, held a private practice away from the facilities with players at a local high school. Um, we cannot confirm nor deny who it was that was infected or was sick with the virus. So that irresponsibility went and, you know, kept them from practicing for weeks, which, ironically enough, you wouldn't have known it in practice with the way that. They just played this past Sunday. Again, it was a shootout, and it went into OT. But that team is just a what seems to be a well-oiled machine out there. And COVID aside, they're scary. And them being in my division and us playing, having to play them two times, definitely <laughs> a scary feat. So I believe that's it. Uh, the MLB is currently working on the World Series. I don't remember when that starts, but it is the Tampa Bay Rays versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, shout out to my man Blake, an Atlanta Braves fan. Shout out to B. Huey. Uh, you guys did blow a 3-1 lead. So, unfortunately, uh, Georgia sports continue to suffer with Georgia getting blown out by Alabama this past Saturday. Uh Obviously, the Gators didn't play because of their COVID outbreak and Dan Mullen testing positive. So uh, the Missouri game on Halloween next week is also in question. So we don't know what's going to happen there. But yes, the Braves did blow the lead. The Astros almost blew a 3-0 lead. So I don't know what's happening there. I, I, I really, really hope for the Dodgers' sake that they win the World Series. I really, really do. They have been robbed of their World Series uh, title multiple times, them playing the cheating teams coming out of the American League back-to-back years in the Astros and the Red Sox. I I, I really hope Mookie Betts sticks it to Boston and says, yo, 
I didn't need to cheat. I came out here and I won it with LA. Uh, I'm tired of the fake Tampa Bay Rays fans coming out of left field. Of course, obviously knowing that a lot of people out here don't follow sports as much as I do, as well as people that I've previously had discussions with that I've never heard baseball come out of their mouth. But of course, they're posting and they're bragging and they're talking shit because the Tampa Bay Rays are from Florida. They don't watch baseball, but because they're from Florida, they're going to cheer for them and they're cheering for them arrogantly and cockily. And that just pisses me off because you, to me, if you don't watch a team well enough or through and through or, you know, throughout the season, to me, you don't have a right to brag. You just don't. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just be like, oh, well, I'm from Tampa, so, like, I'm a race fan. Or, like, I'm from Port Charlotte, and they're from Florida, so I'm going to cheer for them. Like, no. Cheer for them silently. Cheer for them amongst yourself. Amongst yourself. And don't be an asshole. Especially to a New York Yankee fan. Someone who watches baseball diligently. If you did not come to me and have a conversation with me, or if I didn't hear anything coming out of your mouth all season long, but because now the Rays are in the World Series, you're going to try to message me and talk shit? Again, this is no sub to anybody, but it did happen from quite a bit of people. I uh, I would probably say shut your mouth because you don't know a lick of baseball. Uh, no, this is not directed at Fred. <laughs> so Fred, before you hit me up after you hear the episode, no, this is not about you. Uh I know you're a Rays fan through and through, so that has nothing to do with you, big dog. Uh, shout out to Fred and Lil Fred. Uh, happy belated birthday to the both of you. Uh, really, really, really happy I was invited and allowed to be a part of that special day. So I just wanted to uh, clarify that really quick. Uh, hopefully the Rays do not win once again, not only because I am a Yankee fan and they are in the AL East, but because I cannot deal with another Florida team winning another championship and then the triple crown, as I use my fingers here with air quotes, I cannot have the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Tampa Bay Rays, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go and win championships. Because then Florida's going to erupt, and um, I already hate it here. I'm not going to want to leave my house, and I never want to leave my house as it is with COVID out there. So let's uh, go Dodgers. Let's find a way for the Dodgers to win. I'm a Dodgers fan for the rest of the week, um, or for the rest of the World Series and its integrity. So with that being said, that is the end of the episode. Next week, I'll be tackling, like I said, the NFC. Uh, I think I'll have a little bit more to speak about there with me watching the Eagles a lot more and you know, a little paying a little bit more attention to the NFC because of fantasy implications. I have a lot of NFC players, uh, for whatever reason, on my fantasy teams, and... Uh, yeah, can't wait to break it down. Love talking about football. Love talking about these sports with you guys. And um, please follow the Instagram page at uh, 1046 and 1. Same way I spell the actual podcast. Come show support. Like, comment, you know, ask me a question, whatever you guys need. Uh, again, I appreciate and shout out everybody that has been loyal and supporting this entire time. 20 episodes down, a million more to go. And I can't wait to see you guys next week. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour. 
or welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big home. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.